Hello, my name is Harry Hawk. Today we're going to be talking with Dr. Karen Freeberg, who is an assistant professor at the University of Louisville. I'm excited to talk with Karen about the use of targeted social and socially curated and published content, talking about how students can make use of social media tools for their personal branding, for their personal brands. Karen, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Harry. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to finally hear your voice. <laughs> Same here. No, I, I always am excited whenever I get to meet friends um, first that I met through social media and then talk to them in person. It's, well, I think a lot of times people forget that social media is all about being social. And so I've over the years, some of my closest colleagues, whether it's in PR, social media, or even crisis, I first met online and then you meet them in person. You're like, you are exactly how you are online. It's perfect. It's awesome. So that's one of the great things about social media is being able to make those connections. Is it harder to get students or industry professionals to use social media productively, regularly, and appropriately? <laughs> that is a really good question, Harry. I would say that for professionals and students, both of them have their enthusiasm for getting on social media, but there's also challenges for each group. And I'll start with the students first. From what I've been able to see with my students when it comes to social media, they are very aware about how to use it in their social circles with their friends, with their family mm -hmm. members. But when it comes to using it professionally, like how to manage their personal brand, that's when they realize, oh, you mean the snap that I said to my friends doesn't disappear or if this instead that I post is a reflection of my brand. Other employers might actually do a digital audit, you know, when I'm applying for a job. That for them is kind of the biggest wake-up call that they have. So one of the things that I try to do very early on in my classes is I give the, you know, a mini talk how what you post online stays online for everyone to see. And it is all about first impressions. So you've really want to make sure that what you are posting is reflective of how your brand is offline and overall what you want to present online. Um, the biggest problem that they have is keeping up with the trends to keep up with, oh, there's this new shiny tool out there. We got to go head on first and using it in all aspects of our business instead of taking a step back and looking at the new platform and asking ourselves, okay, what are the benefits? What are the challenges? Does it make sense? Uh, and a lot of times, we see brands jump on board with a trend before really thinking it forward, saying, okay, is this really necessary? Because it's that fear of missing out kind of phenomenon what we're experiencing. People want to be the first on board, get those 15 minutes of fame or those few seconds of tweets saying, oh, this brand is using Periscope, you know, strategically or Meerkat. And to get that um, influence in their respective communities without really thinking about, okay, what are the challenges ahead? What are the risks? What are some of the things that this platform brings to the table that we may need to take a step back and kind of look at, okay, is there going to be an additional risk ethically, legally, especially like when you're looking at sporting events? I think for both students and practitioners, both of them are using social media well. They're using it to the best of their abilities and they're using it strategically. Two groups that are also facing two different challenges. One of the things that I find with my students, their social media engagement outside of the class is yep. really part of their homework. I've been really honored to have some great students in my class over the years. 
And what I do find when it comes to social media, especially with this class, is I actually talk to the students ahead of time and I, I warn them. I said, this is going to be your hardest class in college. And they look at me like, yeah, Dr. Freeberg, we get to post updates. We're going to play on Facebook. That's not hard. But I tell them it's a lot of work. They walk away like, what did I get myself into? But then the thing is, I tell them in terms of being engaged, not only in the class, but outside of class, I tell them I will be an active participant. They actually see me also participate and do the same work. I do the same assignments as they do. I do the same number of blogs. I'm almost like a another member or an honorary student in the class working with them and showing them, okay, here's how you go about and doing this. Because I think it's actually, we were like most of the classes that I was looking at was focusing so much on the tools, which I think is important. But what I was trying to do with my students in terms of engagement is looking at the behavior. And I tell them, it doesn't take an hour each day to communicate on social media. You might get up to that point, but start off 15 minutes a day, reading, sharing content, curating that content and using certain tools that we've talked about in class to help you share relevant content that you're interested in. And so one of the things that I've had students do as part of the class is I, I do have them write two blog posts a week. One is for class related to the class topic. And then the other, I leave it up to them. And the students are kind of surprised with that. They're like, what? We can write whatever we want, whatever we're interested in. <laughs> I mean, I t- have to tell them, of course, but you realize it's public and whatever you write about online, it's attached to your brand. So you just need to be aware of that. Do you help your students formulate an approach to their personal brand? I actually spend some time, at least the first couple of weeks, kind of really walking through exactly what they want to be known for or what their personal brand is. One of the things, Harry, that I've noticed with my students is they're, they look at me as a professor thinking that I have, like, there's a right answer for what their personal brand should be, that they should be fitting this cookie cutter shaped student. And I tell them, no, like, if you're interested, if you have different passions, that makes you unique. That's what makes you memorable to people. So you better enhance those. So I've had students who've been interested. I mean, being out here in Louisville, Kentucky, I had a couple of students that were interested in bourbon. So they asked me, well, could we, you know, become more of a local enthusiast and talk about the history and the culture and prominence of bourbon in Louisville? And I told them, yeah, you guys are, of course, are over 21. And if that's something that you want to have an expertise in, like what better way to kind of research and talk about it and write about it? I had a student that actually was approached by the social media manager who was representing Four Roses. And he was like, okay, like, I want to talk to you more about your expertise. The student was shocked. You get to share your passions and interests, and it's an opportunity to showcase your brand. We have a mutual friend in uh, Dennis Yu mm-hmm. over at Blitz Metrics, yes. and he's very big on working with students and particularly checklists and a lot of structure on how to set things up. Yes. How do you set up the students for success as they're starting to build their personal platform. Dennis Yu is one of the leading professionals in my mind in the social space. Does it in a way that's both systematic, but also encompassing. A lot of times you see professionals focus on one particular area of expertise, but I've known Dennis for the last couple of years and he is skilled in branding and analytics, social media strategy. I mean, I feel like whenever I talk to Dennis, he's always coming up with something new and creative and like needed, uh, you know, especially in education. I've been really honored to have him not only 
talk to my students in class and he's taken valuable time out of his schedule to be able to Skype with us and share his thoughts and his expertise in terms of what's happening in the field or what students need to do to enhance those personal attributes systematically and strategically to get internships, to get jobs. And so his insights have actually really benefited my students tremendously in terms of providing a almost like a blueprint to what they need to do to get to their dream goal and dream position or internship. Because I have a lot of students that are interested in various fields and they they put up a barrier in front of them saying, oh, you know, I want to work in, you know, sports. I, that's like for really, really strong, you know, social media professionals, but Dennis is looking and tells the students, look, if you have an end goal in mind, here's what you need to do. And it gives them a roadmap in terms of accomplishing those goals, write about what you're passionate about, use, you know, Facebook analytics and sponsored posts to be able to go through and get people, target people that you would want to see your content. And the students, you know, whenever Dennis comes to my class and talks about this, they just kind of sit there like, oh my gosh, like this, this is an, a very achievable and very needed blueprint that they need to have going forward. And so I've had students right after class, they're like, okay, I'm on this. I'm doing yeah, it. Mean, he's got these checklists that students can follow and, and just processes audience engagement and conversion, you know, or metrics analysis and action. And the one for me, business strategy, and these all fit together where you have goals, content, and targeting. And, yeah. I, and that's just what you just said right now. I want to be in sports, or I want to be known as the local Louisville bourbon person. Right. Um, so that's the goal. We create content around it, and we target. We watch the metrics, we do our analysis, and then we take some more action to refine it. To me, it, it adds a lot of a lot of clarity to have that kind of methodology in place. Do you teach some of that? I do. Yeah. I, I, I actually spend at least about like we are in semester system, um, semesters here at the University of Louisville. So I at least spend a couple of weeks dedicated just to online branding and personal branding. It's basically built throughout, you know, the culture and community of the class. Like that's always kind of an underlying factor because I tell the students after this class, I want you to feel confident that you know what your personal brand is, what you want to be known for, where do you want to go, where do you want you to see yourself. And I tell them that they have all of these resources, these this checklist by Dennis, they have various assignments to help guide them in terms of understanding what their personal brand is. They have a blog, a stepping point in terms of starting creating that content to be able to p- target those individuals they want to reach in their dream positions or dream industries. So I try to use this class. As- Just, I did an interview for the FIR podcast network with Dennis, which is how I met him. And mm-hmm. you may want to listen to that if you haven't. He talks a lot about some of this, but in your focus, do you get outside of earned and do you then get into covering paid, targeted and retargeted modalities of social? Yes, absolutely. As a professor, I always am trying to figure out what are the growing changes that we are seeing in the profession. And one of the reasons why I, I tell other colleagues that are teaching social media that this is a class that is a constant prep. And that's one of the reasons I use a couple of textbooks that really focus on the strategy that could be applied and that are timeless 
for, for new media. I definitely keep my ear to the ground and I look at leaders like Dennis and Ted Rubin, Deirdre Breckenridge, yep. and a lot of these other professionals that are working in the field to kind of say, yeah, that I definitely have talked a lot more about paid and kind of expanded outside of PR. Cause I mean, PR as a field too is changing. And I look back at when I was in school, both my bachelor's and master's and even PhD, and it, there is a lot more paid integration into it and that we have to adapt to what the expectations are in the industry. And so I want to make sure that my students have the most current viewpoints and trends and tools necessary to be successful in the workplace. My, my own struggle with students sometimes is something I had mentioned earlier that they love to be on social with their friends, but then they're reluctant to use it professionally. Mm-hmm. They know that they don't want to blend the two, mm-hmm. but they're not willing to step out and really start to use the tools professionally because then it, it means they have to kind of give up mm-hmm. their informal, uh, maybe unprofessional use. Well, you definitely nailed the nail on its head, Harry. That has been the number one question, comment that I've had from both practitioners, students, and professors this year. That has been like the moneymaker question. Like if, it, if we're able to figure out how to balance those, we're good. <laughs> because I, I definitely am a person to that by students, by professionals, and by practitioners because they ask me, can you be both professional and personal on social media? And I tell them, yeah, I mean, you of course. Can, I mean, I, I live like my grandfather had kind of a saying that he kind of instilled with my, my mom and uh, of course all of us in our family, basically one set of manners. And I kind of tell that to my students. I'm like, you got to have one set of manners. And they look at me like, what do you mean one set of manners? I'm like, well, how you interact in professionally, how you interact personally, how you interact online, offline, it should be the same. It should be natural. Like I get confused. Like if I was using different personas, I mean, I'm pretty much the same. And I tell the students, I am exactly who I am online as I am in person. It is one of those things where students at first, they are kind of like confused or like, well, wait, we can be personal, but we can also be professional too. And I tell them, yeah, it is achievable, but you just have to figure out what works best for you. Like, what do you feel that will make you comfortable. And for me, I, I have several colleagues that have a professional social media presence. Like they have separate pages for Facebook, Twitter, and then they have their private ones. And for me, I'm like, well, I've been a- online for 20 years, you know, since I was yes. 14. I'm like, well, this is me. You know, I pretty much a mixture. I use all of my social media profiles just the same. I, I, I call myself a, a radical integrationist, which is to say I want all aspects of my life to be as you said, one set of manners and it just presents itself. I I don't want to have to contort myself and contort my brand uh, for for a different audience. I just want to be me. And and I think when you come back at it and that's what makes your personal brand interesting. If you look at a a presidential candidate Mm -hmm. on either side, like uh, Al Gore or Mitt Romney, they're supposed to be amazing in person, but that's not what they communicated to the public. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, like, like I know that we've been talking a lot about students, but I, I've also seen this struggle with professors as well, especially with online. And I think if I was always thinking about what, like, if I'm being viewed as a professor, like the typical view of a professor, I'd probably fail that test right now. Yeah, but there's no rule that says you have to be, you know, aloof and yeah. verbose and, you yeah. know, use $59 words all the time. You'd be surprised. 
surprised though. I mean, you'd be surprised because one of the things that I, I mean, one of the things I love about being at Louisville is that I was a bit told, okay, you get to create a social media class. It's your class. You are the expert in terms of structuring it. And one of the things that I've tried to do is kind of build that culture. And I'm, I tell the students, yes, I may not necessarily be a professor in mind of the stereotypical view of a professor. And I mean, I kind of get that when my students walk into my office. I have angry birds. I have Doctor Who and I have minions all over the place. And they walk in and they just stop. And they're like, well, this is not what I expect. I'm like, exactly. I'm basically going against the grain as a typical view of a professor. And I, I, and I try to do that online as well. And my students have, they've taken other classes from me. And they said, you know, we liked you as a professor in these other classes, but they said, we felt like in this class, since you were so engaged on social media, we got to know you as a person. And I tell them, well, yes, professors are people too. Like we're, you know, we do things outside of class. You had started to talk about, you know, tweeting on school and campus. I don't know if you follow uh, Dr. Ono over at the University of Cincinnati, but I got a chance to interview him about his use of Twitter. Oh, that is awesome. He's kind of the standard for presidents um, using Twitter. Um, since Cincinnati is pretty pretty close to us here at the University of Louisville, I've had a lot of students that have said, oh, wow, like, look at what the president is doing at the University of Cincinnati. Isn't this cool? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And so I think there's some game changers in various industries and also various positions that are really kind of shifting the narrative and shifting the perception of what to expect from certain roles and expectations when it comes to social media. What he's showing what can happen in the university setting Mm -hmm. is the model that a business and enterprise needs to follow. When you look at how he tweets, it's exactly what we were just talking about, about how you need to be yourself. He is clearly himself Mm -hmm. on Twitter. And it's marvelous. Oh, oh, it's it's amazing because there's so many times where, I mean, I've met people in person and you even see some of these individuals on social media and you can look at them. And one of the things that one of the exercises that I do with my students is I basically have them write out a series of tweets that they would post, you know, professionally. And then I would actually ask them to read them aloud. I'm like, and talk about, okay, how would you react if you were saying these exact same things in person? And some of the students were like, well, I feel kind of weird if I felt like I was always promoting content all the time without having any engaging conversation. And I tell them exactly, because that's one of my pet peeves is a lot of times I see a lot of people just promoting content and I'm like, okay, it's great to have share or curate content, but you got to have that balance in terms of what we call back when we talked about earlier in the episode, social media is social. I know I curate a content, but I also want to engage people authentically and have a conversation and dialogue and say, hey, great. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for the follow. This was a great article. Congratulations. Well, I tell my students, what's, you can meet somebody at an event in, in person mm-hmm. and they can present themselves any way that they want. They're dressed, whatever. They could tell mm-hmm. you they're a king, a prince. They could tell you that they're a plumber. You can get some clues, but if you really don't know them, you're not really going to know if they're being honest or not, but I tell them, especially on social media and especially on Twitter, you can go back and see all of the interactions that they've had for Mm -hmm. years, months, decades, and eventually, you know, you can really get a measure of who somebody is. Yeah. If I look at somebody's account who maybe has followed me and all they're doing is just sharing stuff but not talking or they're just tagging people without a lot of uh, context, Mm -hmm. it's like, why do I want to follow that person? Right. 
Well, I think one person that I really, I mean, he, he is absolutely one of my favorite people of all time, both online and in person, is Jason Falls. I was a huge Jason Falls fan when I first started working in social media when I was working on my PhD. And luckily, Jason lives out here in Kentucky and Louisville. And I got to meet him at first time in person. And I just knew right away, I'm like, he is exactly how he is online. And he is not only willing to curate and share relevant articles and his content and expertise, but he sits down with you and talks about, okay, you know, let's talk about social. Let's talk about these ideas. And I actually had a chance to spend some time with Jason just at conferences. I tell him that I own, you know, Bourbon for Life because he actually helped me out get back to Louisville from a conference when we were both stuck. But he's that kind of guy that will go and help you out. He's a true mentor. Jason, actually, he came to my class. He was one of the last guest speakers. I was thrilled. I was really honored he was able to come in. And he actually spent a good part of his time after class helping my students brainstorm some ideas for their final project. I saw that. Those actions speak louder than words. It's one of those things like, yeah, you can curate a lot of content, but are you able to walk the walk on offline as well? I think that reflects what you're presenting online. Indeed. We have to be paying it forward and we have to be willing to have conversations mm-hmm. and start to get to know people. Absolutely. I think one of the cases, one of the rationale for why you should be integrated, your personal and professional branding is if you're a naturally funny person, mm-hmm. but you're never online making jokes, Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you could end up being uh, Justine uh, Sacco, who's who's apparently trying to become a, a stand up comedian. And she thought she was practicing some jokes with a friend. But it wasn't. It, I think if we're being more clear about who we are, mm-hmm. that I think there's less room for misinterpretation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know. And I, I tell my students, because, I mean, I, I actually had a couple of students come by my office hours, and they actually commented, they said, you know, Dr. Freeberg, we do, don't really see anything negative come across your social media um, profiles at all. And I tell them, I'm like, I'm like everybody, there's times where I accidentally drink decaf coffee, and it's, you know, like, you know, <laughs> I'm stuck in traffic, or it's minus 30 degrees out, and I, I, I grew up in California, so that's white stuff on the ground, I'm like, what is this? But I tell them, I, I there is a time and place for social media, and I, I always have this rule of thumb, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say it, and I try to put my best foot forward and stay positive. I do think that there is that understanding of context where I think students now, like I've taught my class, you know, for a couple of years now. I think when I first taught it, I think there was still that disconnect with people, you know, understanding what is public and what is private. Mm -hmm. But I think now people are kind of getting a sense like, okay, this is public. But you still see people just showcasing the world, their opinions and thoughts and everything. But I, I do see that there is more focus on privacy and, you know, how public social media is. So question on advice to students. And, and this is every student theoretically is ultimately looking for a job someday, mm-hmm. and obviously in many different fields. And can you think about or talk about with me or share mm-hmm. the value of after having been in a class where they've learned a little bit about social media professionally, the tools, the mindset, the value of then having a social media internship mm-hmm. or doing some social media volunteerism for yep. an organization they may be passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, how important is that? Yeah, that's a great point because uh, one of the things I actually have one day where I kind of do this summary of the class and I basically tell the students, okay, for the last four months, 
we talked about all aspects of social media. And yes, you have a good starting point with where to go with social media. They've been able to work with real clients. They've heard great guest speakers from practice. They've been able to work and start their own personal brand. But I tell them that the most important thing that they need to realize, you need to continue on this in your brand because this is something that you can't say, oh, I did this for four months and I'm done. <laughs> it's constantly, you know, ongoing. And I, I tell them to take initiative. That is one thing that I really push for for my students because a lot of times when I was growing up, one of the things my parents, you know, gave me and my two sisters re- really good advice is like, yeah, invest in your future. Make sure that you take every opportunity to learn and grow and become a better professional in your field. And I've had several students that have said, well, there's this really good internship with the Kentucky Derby, or there's this really awesome agency in Chicago I want to intern with. And I tell them, well, why don't you do that? And they're like, well, you know, and I, I ask them a series of questions, but one of them kind of starts off with, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? And they're like, well, they won't answer my emails. They won't say I'm qualified or, you know, they give this laundry list of answers. But then I ask them, okay, what's the best thing that the, that could happen? And then they're like, well, I'd get the internship. I'm like, exactly. So do whatever you need to do that's necessary to get that internship. And that means, you know, doing, learning, growing, take advantage of these internships. Networking is so important. And so one of the things that I've really, like, it's not necessarily in the syllabus, but the reason why I try to bring in so many professionals, both virtually and in person, is to give the students a network of professionals in the field that they can possibly lead to jobs, I tell the students that the worst thing that, you know, they could do is have regret of not taking advantage of an opportunity when they could have. And so I try to push that initiative component and that hardworking component and just really taking the time and investing in their future. And some students have really taken that to heart that have led to jobs. And some of my students are working in their dream positions because of that, which I'm really, for me as a professor, that is the most important thing is to see the students go off and do successful things. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. I teach mostly in hospitality. Mm-hmm. So now I teach two marketing courses. I teach a kind of an intro to hospitality and tourism marketing. And I also occasionally teach a services marketing, which is a, a higher, more senior level course. Mm-hmm. And in the intro to marketing course, hospitality marketing, they have to either work on a, a marketing plan for a business or a personal marketing plan. And I have my students do a personal marketing plan. And it's very hard for them to really get to the fine nuts and bolts of what's an actionable plan. You can't just say, I'm going to use Twitter. You got to tell me how you're going to use it. What's the recipe, right? I also tell my students that I know you think you're going into hospitality, which means that you will never have to deal with marketing on any level. And you're not going to have to deal with social media. You're going to be on a front desk. You're going to be in a kitchen. And I tell them, That may be the case, but it's probably not the case. Mm -hmm. Think about the social organization. And I said, you're going to be on the job and people are going to say, who knows how to do a Vine video? Who knows how to do Twitter? Who knows how to do this or that? And I want you to be able to honestly say that you do if you want to volunteer for that assignment. And if you decide that you want to keep your mouth shut and not engage on that particular assignment, that's fine. But you should, I want you to know that you have the tools uh, to do that. And I had a student in one of these classes. She went on an internship uh, interview. She ended up, she's currently doing this as we speak. She's doing the social media marketing for a bakery 
related startup. Wow. And, you know, because they, she had, they had reason to believe, you know, she had some training and she went in that direction. She had a great, in hospitality, the students tend to have a great uh, work history in the field. So, you know, internships often are really easy for them to gain because they have a lot of work experience. But she was able to take all of her previous bakery experience and the fact that she was taking a marketing class that they were willing to then hire her to do this. And she's a bright lady and, you know, she's doing a great job with it. But to put a question at the end of that, Karen, which would be, again, thoughts about students who may not be in marketing or communications but why they might want to really learn about social media and for them to take an opportunity at doing some kind of social media internship or volunteership. Yeah, absolutely. Like I have a lot of students that come into my class and they really don't know what to expect or what all that we're going to be covering. And at the, you know, cause I asked them where, like at the first week, like tell us a little bit about yourself, what your background is, how many internships you've done, but also where do you see yourself after graduation? And I have a lot of students that may have certain interests. They're like, yeah, I might, you know, want to go into PR. Oh, I might, you know, want to go into sports. And then I have others that have said, I want to be able to own my own business. I want to be a professional musician. So you get the range and stuff. And so by the end, just getting them exposed, like I try to, when I bring forth all of these different topics in class and bring in guest speakers, I bring them in from people that just graduated that are in their first jobs versus some that are veterans and influencers in the field that have been around for many decades working in PR and marketing and now are working in social to give the students a bit of a range in terms of what are the possibilities. There's some students that really take that to heart and have translated those into jobs working in social media. But actually this past semester, I was able to actually work with a student and it, it was one of those uh, moments that uh, for me as a professor was a first for me. I had a student that actually was part of the plaintiff group um, that went to the Supreme Court a few weeks ago um, to hear their case. There's a big um, Supreme Court decision happening with, you know, several families in the Kentucky and D- Tennessee area. And so this one of my students was ma- the main spokesperson for his family. And so he talked to me and said, OK, how could I use social media in this capacity? And he created a Tumblr blog. He was able to showcase his interviews on these various national media outlets. And he was able to use social media as an integrated part of his brand. But I told Tevin, I said, this is a great personal branding opportunity for you to apply what we've talked about in class into this situation. And for me as a professor, I've never had that happened to me, you know, in this case, I mean, this was definitely a first for me, but I wanted to get kind of let this student know, Tevin, know that this is an opportunity for him to translate and use social media in a way that enhances his personal branding in this cause and this situation. So for me, it's been a fun thing just to kind of explore how students pick up on certain things that are discussed in class and run with them. You know, there some people love the PR aspect. Some of them love the sports aspect, but I have another student that's working for a local wearable technology company that was oh, one, of, one of 10 companies working with Google on um, Glass at Work. And he just sparked his interest when we talked about new emerging media platforms like Google Glass. He's like, I want to do this. And so he just kind of pursued that. And so now he's working for them and they were able to do Google Glass at the Kentucky Derby. So I look at that, I'm like, I'm so proud of Aaron. You know, I mean, it's- so, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about passion 
mm-hmm. and content creation. And so that's one of the things that I've tried to do with my students in terms of finding their passion. And um, that's what I, I first start off with their blog because I tell the students, first of all, I think writing is absolutely crucial in this day and age, especially for social media. You have to learn how to write proficiently. And so I found that if students are able to write about something they're very passionate about, then they won't see it as a like hard task. Because I've had students come to me and they're like, well, Dr. Freeberg, I'm not really a good writer. I don't really like writing, whatever. And I tell them, you need writing is like an exercise. You need to practice with it. And I found that with these two blog posts each week, and given that we have 15, 16 weeks in the semester, that's a lot of blogs. And so by the end, they really get to hone in their voice. And so I think that's the most important thing is they're not only creating content that they're interested, but they're also finding out what they love. And I've had students by the end of the semester tell me, I'm so glad that I had to do this blogging assignment because I found what I'm passionate about. And I have one student that really got passionate about photography. And she said, I would not have guessed that I would be so passionate about photography if it was not for this class. Do you find any resistance to them putting it out into the real world, so to speak? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I've had a lot, of, like at first, they're like, oh my gosh, it's out there. I'm like, yes, it's out there. So there is a lot of hesitation at first, but I give the students an option. I said, well, if you would be more comfortable going under a nickname, I don't force my students, like whether it's on Twitter or social media, to go by the real name. Like if they do, like they're very private, they don't want anything public about them online. I tell them, you can go by a nickname. As long as I know that's you, that is perfectly fine. And so they feel comfortable with that. But then, like, I had one student a few years ago that was very private, very private. She had her private accounts across the board. And so she was very hesitant first to start. But then once she got started looking at it, she started sharing her content. Then she dropped down, you know, her privacy settings. She's like, you know what? I want people to see me. And she gained that level of confidence in her work. And now she's just all, you know, posting and sharing and doing all sorts of things with her social media to enhance her expertise in this area. It was interesting to kind of see that transition from just a few months, you know, from going from one extreme to an end. That's fantastic. I mean, that's, you know, we talk about a student's journey, right? Mm -hmm. And you've just detailed a whole bunch of journeys, right, that started in part in your classroom. So, I mean, that that to me has to be thrilling. Oh, it's life-changing i i actually have one student she's a graduate student her name is samantha and harry like there's some students that come into your classroom and i remember meeting down with samantha from like when i first met her to now it's nine day completely nine days she's probably one of the hardest but most talented students i've had as a professor but she's willing to put forth the work and she's had some great opportunities um she was able to work in um athletics for a couple of years at ufl and she was able to come up with some really cool ideas using Periscope and Snapchat for the Kentucky Derby. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, who would have ever thought a few years ago, you know, that, that you know, this was going to happen. And, you know, we actually had a meeting the other day and she's like, what? yeah, she's, it's, she said, it's been quite a whirlwind, but she's grown from the process. She's been able to present research. She's been able to get all sorts of great opportunities. And as a professor, seeing students embark on their passion and embark on their career is so rewarding. And I, I just feel like I'm almost like a proud like parent over here. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so, they're doing great things. And I mean, for me, that's, that's the reward for me as a professor is to see my students be successful. And um, if it, I tell them anything I can do, like I tell them once they leave the classroom, I tell them my door is always open to them. I always want to hear how they're doing. If they have questions, if they have comments, I'm, I tell them, you know, many ways to get in contact with me. And they're like, yes. 
all we need you to do is send a tweet or send a Facebook note. I'm like, yeah, exactly. All right. So there's one more thing that I really wanted to talk about, and it's here's a, I think we got a good segue to this. What I do in, I mentioned the, my intro to marketing class for hospitality and tourism. I have my students using Twitter. One of the things that I get them familiar with is using Hootsuite. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I do in Hootsuite is I, I, in Twitter, create a list for each semester's students. And then I have in Hootsuite streams for each of those lists mm-hmm. so that I can see in that particular view that that person, oh, that's someone I had two years ago. That's somebody I had in this semester, you know, cause you, it, it starts to get blurry. And it's just a great way of seeing you know, who's active. They'll go into other courses and they'll be tweeting for other courses. They'll start tweeting about a business that they might want to open or are opening. But I know you use Hootsuite in your course, at least you did back in 2014. And I believe maybe you're involved in their program as well. What, what yes. can you say about Hootsuite? A lot of my students not happy about using it. Can you talk more about it and more about the program? Yeah, absolutely. I have been a big fan of Hootsuite. I, I, I've used um, Hootsuite consistently since I started the class, particularly um, Hootsuite University. I actually found out through Twitter from one of my friends, um, William Ward, who was at Syracuse. And I remember he was talking about these certification notices on Twitter. And I, I asked him, like, what is this Hootsuite University? And he's like, oh, it's this free program that students get certified in Hootsuite. And I, I asked him, is it free? And they're like, He's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, awesome. So I basically signed up my students right then and there. And I really am a huge fan of Hootsuite. They've been not only a great program and platform, but their community and representatives are amazing. Like they are really invested in education. And um, I've worked with Kimberly Jan and Kristen Bailey, and there's just a lot of really good professionals at Hootsuite that really are not only invested in education, but they're really invested in the future professionals in the field. And as a professor, they're willing to work with you and help you out and give you resources that could better enhance your class. And I honestly have not seen a social media brand that's really done that. And I found with my students, what's been really beneficial in integrating Hootsuite into the classroom as I use it, you know, as you talked about monitoring hashtags, I, I have a designated hashtag for every class that I, um, I've taught and a list of students. But I also feel like with Hootsuite University, I have my students, I don't know how, like what your schedule is for your class, like if you teach once a week or three times a week, but I teach my class three days a week for 50 minutes. And I can talk really, really fast, but there's only so much I can cover in 50 <laughs> minutes. So what I've done with Hootsuite University is I've definitely integrated it as part of my lectures. And so there's content that the students have to, you know, read and listen to in terms of lessons ahead of time. But there are some things that I tell them, okay, for this assignment, we may not necessarily get to this point or this platform like Tumblr, for example, today. But here's some really good videos from Hootsuite University you may want to check out and some additional resources. So it's almost like pushing, you know, towards learn continually learning outside of the classroom and the students actually they feel very confident they said yeah at first it might be a little overwhelming to see all the streams and like whoa what am i looking at but then once they go through the process and hands-on learning with the program they're like afterwards they feel like this they can do they can do this and so i've had actually other um students you know who've finished the class and they basically say yeah they mentioned to their employers or internship coordinators that they're interviewing with that they're hootsuite certified and I've had employers come back to me and they're like, you, you, you have your students do this, you know, for class. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, that saves a load off us because a lot of times 
when they talked to students before they said, yeah, they were talking about Hootsuite, Sprout Social, Bosomos, or some of these other programs. And like, you, you just see these glassy eyed, you know, uh, <laughs> said, yeah, like we were able to talk to some of your students and they're not only knowing about Hootsuite, but like, oh yeah, by the way, here's this, here's my badge online. You can search for me on their list of consultants. Here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. And they're like, wow, this is pretty impressive. It's limited to a 90 day period. Is that hard to fit into the class? Um, no. Like the semester length? Well, no, not really, because what I do is I usually um, have it assigned, like uh, the students to start have accessing to the program the second week of the semester, because the, I mean, with the first week, there might be students adding, some students dropping, et cetera. I, I do have it as a semester long assignment. So I warn the students like, yeah, this is something that you don't necessarily want to start the night before it's due. Uh, I schedule it. So there are there like, for example, this past semester, there were a few days where I said, OK, we will have this day designated for group meetings, but also time to work on Hootsuite University. And so the students found that it only takes them, you know, you know, it takes them a while, but not like length and length on length and stuff. It, it would just be difficult for them to complete it the night before the you know, assignments do. But yeah, I have them do the certification, but I also, what I do is I have them write a reflection blog post about their experience with Hootsuite and share that on Twitter, but then also write a more detailed reflection po- um, paper for me, just what they like, what are some lessons that they felt were really important, what are some things that they would improve. And I have a really good relationship with Hootsuite specifically on this program. And so I've let them know, like, here's kind of what the students have said. I don't like share the names or anything, but I just say, here's kind of the reactions that my students this semester have had. And they listen. They're like, this is really, res- like, really great. We really appreciate that. And so it's been a really good professional relationship with them. They're a great organization. I've been using the product for the longest time. I'm a big believer. And I think you've given me the courage uh, to put it into next year's uh, curriculum. So thank you for that. Karen, we're really, uh, really at the end of our time here. And I think I could keep on talking to you (laughs) for hours. So again, I really want to thank you for joining me on the show today and for sharing so wonderfully about your experiences, about your life, about your classrooms. And uh, again, if you could just tell people, you know, where to find you on social media. And if there's anything else that I haven't asked you, you know, you want to share, please go ahead. Well, thank you again, Harry, for the opportunity to talk to you on this podcast. I'm really honored to be part of this episode. And so thank you again. And it's great to, again, connect with you on from social media to this podcast. So I really appreciate that. But yeah, I'm pretty much open on all social media platforms. Um, I can be, you can find me on Twitter at K Freeberg, K F R E B R G. And I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even Snapchat. And my blog is, um, www.karenfreeberg.com slash blog. Well, again, thank you again. This is Harry Hawk. You can find me on Twitter at H H A W K. If you've listened this far, please, you know, let Karen and I know that you've enjoyed it or what you liked or, If you have any suggestions, we'd really love to hear from you. I hope everybody has a great week. Bye-bye.